God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Well, welcome back to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. We are creeping up on the holiday season. I don't know what to say to people, because I don't want to offend people. So here's what I like to do. I like to put these two things together. Well, first of all, I think Happy Holidays covers it all. But because Happy Holidays upset some people, I say I like to say Happy Holidays and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Wait, hold on. Because I feel like it covers it all. No, that definitely does. Dude, I'm Jewish. You got to well, cover like Happy Hanukkah. Holidays. I feel like Happy Holidays covers you know, Here's- Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and Diwali. I feel like say happy holidays because it's a happy holiday. All right. If you want to make sure everybody's satisfied, you go happy holidays, mellow Hanukkah, uh-huh. Merry Christmas, chill out, you Buddhist bitches. Um, yeah, go on. Hail Satan. <laughs> and then we're, I think that covers it. Oh, and this- hold on, hold on. Terrific Kwanzaa times. Terrific Kwanzaa times, baby. Dude, is Kwanzaa a thing? Is that still a thing? I feel like that was a thing. I don't know. And then now it's like, eh. I know that we are learning, you know, in our lessons this week, we learned about all of it. We learned, I don't know if it's still a thing, but we learned about Diwali and Kwanzaa and Hanukkah, you know, making sure the kids are getting a diverse palette of information. How many, oh, here we go, Kwanzaa. It looks like, Kwanzaa is an, an annual celebration of African-American culture that is held from December 26th to January 1st, culminating in com- communal feast called Karamu, usually held on the sixth day. All right. It looks a little like Hanukkah. They got the same kind of Hanukkah. Diwali is similar to Hanukkah, too. What's the thing that you're Diwali. Diwali? What, who's that? It's, like Indian, it's a festival of lights. Oh, in, Indian. Indian culture. It's real similar. It's like eight eight nights or something. And what's that? Is that Hindu? I think so. Yeah, it's like Forgive Hindu. Me for getting it Hindu, wrong, but Hindu Christmas, dude. Here's what I know about Hindus. By the way, my favorite religion, Hinduism. You know why? Why? Because Hindus don't fucking come to your door and go, "Hey, let me tell you about Hinduism." Here's what they, they don't do. proselytize. Here's what they do. They just do their thing, and yep. then if you ask them a question about it, they'll be like, "What do you want to know?" They're chill, dude. I love the Hindus. And I love their idea about what the universe is because it makes sense. Uh, I don't know much about it. Is this like Ganesh stuff? I think the uh, I think the uh, basic principle is there was a god and he was bored. And so he divided himself up into the universe so that he could have a good old time. And I'm like, ah, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I like it. I think people are just so scared of the prospect that we're just here, man. We're here. You know, it's a, there's a pretty clear biological explanation for why we're here, why there's a diversity of animals and beings. And we're real special because we can contemplate these things. And that is a mystery. We don't really know how that happened. And it's a curse because we sit here and go, what does it all mean? There's a million explanations on offer. And I think that one of them is that it don't mean shit, and that is very scary for people, myself included. Well, I I did feel the way you feel 
about the world for a long time. I don't feel that way anymore. I used to think I knew what it was. And now I go, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying I know. I'm not saying I know what it is. You're, You're acting like you know what it is. No, I reject the offers on the table. That doesn't mean my, I know. my only offer is you don't know what it is. That's my no, only your offer. O- your offer. Your offer is that your version of God did it. That's different than you don't know what it is. Dude, you think. No, no. My offer is this. My offer is this to you, sir. And if I may be, if I may be so bold as to What's proffer, the offer? this mm-hmm. is my offer to you is for you to be open in your mind to the possibility that there is a God. That you do sure. not of uh, that you do not understand. My offer to you, kind sir, is I'm to, totally to open, open to your mind up to the possibility that you have chosen to be here and have this experience, and perhaps this experience is nothing more than you deciding to lay your head upon a pillow somewhere and fall into a slumbrous dream that you are having right now, that you will wake from. Refreshed, perhaps needing to urinate or make a boom boom or whatever it is. Perhaps you're hungry and then you awaken from this dream and you yawn and you rise up and you go, hmm, what a dream I had of this Clinton Moore Wells. Clinton Moore Well? What is your middle mm-hmm. name again? Moore. Dude, Here's what's fucking weird, dude. This is some vanilla sky shit. My wife's parents' name is Moore. My mom's maiden name is Moore. Your middle name is Moore. Is it all M-O-O-R-E? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's some fucking vanilla sky shit, boy. Well, I think that's just... Us looking for patterns. We look for patterns. <laughs> by, by the way, more I think is one of the most common names in the English language. I'm telling you, the 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 psychological development of a human being and how we process the world because it's so tailored to survival is uh, formidable. It really is. It actually to me, it really and and many smarter people than me have explained a lot about this. But it explains a lot about our proclivities too to uh, what we believe. I think it absolutely does. You know, the fact that we look for meaning. We look for meaning because we have to. We had to for a long time. And now we're, as you like to put it, real comfy, right? So all of those evolutionary instincts of seeking meaning are now, uh, that energy is, is just diverted in so many different ways now. I think it's one of the reasons that there's such a cognitive dissonance in what we're experiencing with the pandemic, which we're not going to, break rule number one, but I think that we like to look for patterns. And if you have someone smart enough to present a set of patterns in this one area, a lot of people who are otherwise really smart go, huh, makes sense. In fact, not only does it make sense, how could it not be true? And that's scary. Don't you think? Well, dude, I had this discussion with a buddy of mine and I kind of cemented this idea that I've had for a moment, which is I do think that there are obviously there's different sorts of like genetically there's different there's uh, genetically there's 
more differences than just our sex or our skin color or our hair color or our eye color. Like these are all things, obviously you're not, nobody's going to argue with somebody and say, you can choose the color of your eyes. Mm -hmm. You're born with whatever eye color you have. You're born with whatever skin color or hair color you have. You're born with how tall you're going to be or, um, maybe what your metabolism is. The, all these sorts of things people can kind of look at and go, all right, I'm on board with that. Now, when you start talking about sexual orientation, I absolutely believe that you're born with your sexual orientation, whatever it is, be it heterosexual, homosexual, or whatever. And uh, some people are like, no, that's a choice. I don't agree. And I think some people are born um, with the ability to really um, sort of take in a lot of information, uh, hypervigilance, I call it, where you can just look at, you can get gather a lot of information in just a glance. Some people have that. I think those people are, sp- I, I think as we evolved as a species and as a society, we started getting these certain sort of a specialized human byproducts of evolution. And one of them is like the guy who, who can't sleep at night because he's constantly worried about everything and he sees everything. And while the rest of the people were just sleeping soundly in the cave, this motherfucker, like he'd hear like, and he'd wake the fuck up and what's, what was that? is on a fucking bear or a snake or whatever. And he would kind exactly. of protect the tribe with all this hypervigilance. Now, well, and, and every little, don't need every little click sound that you made, he had to assume it was a predator had to, because if right. you assume it's a predator and it turns out it's not, you live. If you don't assume it's a predator and it is, you go bye-bye. You don't propagate those genes. Right. But I'm saying most of the, I'm saying a lot of the people in the cave weren't that type because they needed yeah. to sleep. They needed to get their rest so they could fucking hunt and, protect the tribe. And now I think like, you know, then we had people that were, you know, their sexual orientation was to be, uh, be a homosexual. And that was great for the tribe as well, because they weren't competing for the women and they could also hunt and gather and do all that stuff, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't create, you know, it wouldn't be another person like vying to be the alpha dog in the, in the cave trying to get, you know, trying to impregnate all the women. So <clears throat> that makes sense to me. Now, I do believe because of these sort of specialized things, I I think, and again, I don't know because I'm one of those people that's hypervigilant. I take in a lot of information. I'm very sensitive. My sister's not that type of person. So when when we look back at our childhood, we have very different ideas of what our childhood was like. We grew up in a pretty chaotic environment. My parents... Both were heavy drinkers. My dad's an alcoholic. Um, it was a crazy, out of control, chaotic childhood, as far as I'm concerned. But my sister, she has a completely different idea of what her child was childhood was like because she doesn't have that sort of thing where you figure out, oh, nobody's in control here. Yeah, which no I no one's at, no one's on the, at, at the top of the ship. So she didn't see your parent. She just didn't actually see them drinking, or she didn't re- realize that they were drinking too much. She saw everything that I saw, but she just, I here's and here's all right. All of that was said 
with this idea in mind, which is I think there are, I think the majority, I don't think it's even, uh, I think it's the majority of people, I don't know if it's 60% or if it's 80%, but I do think that the majority of human beings have the inability to imagine being someone else. They don't have the capacity to put themselves in somebody else's shoes. You're talking now, about empathy? You could call it empathy, but here's the th- here's the here's the reason I believe this. And I think it's I think it's a good thing that people don't have that. Because you wouldn't be able to like if you're warring with another group of people and you're in this area and you need to survive because there's only so many animals and so much vegetation that you can eat. So you have to make sure that these, this other group of people doesn't take that from you. So you have to actually go kill them. If you had that empathy thing, it would be almost impossible for you to kill them because you would be like, Oh, that's another person. They have their own lives. But if you don't have that, you can just go over and kill that person. But yeah, but I don't think, but they don't cancel each other out. That, that's that? just, co- they don't cancel each other out. That's just cost analysis. I think you can be incredibly, I, th- I think a lot of people do have empathy and, and the world turns on people being able to put themselves in someone else's shoes. The only problem with that is if you get into a life or death situation, your survival is more important than that. So it's just cost analysis at that point. I don't think that, I don't think that they, you can either have one or the other all the time. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, yeah, I I understand what you're saying, but I think it's, I think it's difficult for a lot of people to put themselves in somebody else's shoes. It's difficult for you to do it. And I don't, I, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. How, how do you say? Why do you say that? Because I always think about how other people are feeling about whatever's happening, and I I uh, calibrate my behavior and the things I say and do often based on me imagining what it's like for someone to be in that room that I'm in. I can't tell if there's like a huge delay now for having a Skype issue. Is no, there a big delay? No, now? no. I'm 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 processing what you're saying, and I, I I know that to be true about you. I guess what I'm saying is. I I don't I think it's impossible for some folks and when I say some folks I'm saying the majority of human beings to be able to understand or imagine being someone else. But I think it's subconsciously built in. I mean I I think if most people will run into a burning building to save somebody at the at the risk of their own survival, which is extremely counterintuitive. Why? Because they're imagining if they were in there, you want to live in a society where someone would come get your ass out. That's the reciprocity is is built so deeply into us as tribes that you will you will risk your life to help someone else's kid, which makes no sense for you in a survival sense. You know what I'm saying? It's not your seed. It's not your genetics. It's your life should be more important to you than someone else's kid. But most people will risk their lives to save a kid that they don't know. Don't you think? Um, yeah. But again, that's that's more of a what's the right thing to do? The right thing is to save the kid. That's not it's not like But no one's asking themselves in that moment, hmm, what's the right thing to do? That's this thing built in. Right, but I'm I'm not not saying right, but they're not running, they're not they're not going, they're not doing this thing where they're like, hmm, I wonder what it would be like to be that kid in the burning building. Oh, he must be really scared. Let me go in there and rescue this kid because he might be really scared right now. No, they're not thinking that. They're just doing it. 
They're doing it because, oh, there's a kid in there. Let me go get that kid. What I'm talking about, and the reason I came to this conclusion or or this idea, or the reason I have this idea is because I was listening to um, Hardcore History, and they were talking about the Coliseum days. And what they would used to do back in those days is, is like every Saturday or Sunday, they would have these big gatherings. Everybody would go to the Coliseum, and it was this big day. And they would have like all these events. They would have uh, one of the big things they would have would be executions, and they would they would bring these people in, and they would like burn them with fucking hot irons, and they would tear them apart, and mm-hmm. they would kill them. And everybody loved it. And then they would have like you know lions would come out, and they would eat people, and people would be these these were like criminals, right? Yeah, just whoever. Yeah, yeah. if somebody was you know stole a loaf of bread then they were tortured to death and killed and torn apart in the square i think that's how they did it though i think i think what you have to do to get there what what nazi germany had to do with the jews is you have to basically dehumanize somebody okay you have to you you have to separate them from who you are and that's where that's where they can stop being empathetic is they're like oh this person committed a crime they deserve it i'm not like that they're not like me and that's how you that's how you do that in your head i would i would offer anyway what were they positing in the podcast? Yeah. So what they were doing, it was like people would go there and they'd be all excited about it. Like it was a big thing and and and, and everybody loved it. Now, they, so I was like, wow, you know, the people are so much different back then than they are now because nobody would, nobody would do that now. But here's the thing. They had a guy that went to the Coliseum and then wrote about it and they have the, the, the writings of this guy, and he was like, oh, man, this is awful. I can't believe, you know, I can't believe these people were actually enjoying watching somebody get tortured to death and then ripped apart. It was so awful. It was one of the most awful things I've ever seen. I'll never go back to the Coliseum again. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, not everybody was enjoying this. Just the majority of people were enjoying it. But there were some folks who were empathetic and were like, Oh wow, that's ter- I can't you know. What if that was me out there? I mean, it's one thing to like oh, imagine being a pirate or whatever. But I'm talking about deeply empathetic, where you can actually imagine being that person, what it might be like to be tortured to death or eaten by lions. Yeah. To my further point, I don't think it's that they're not empathetic. I just think that for whatever psychological reasons, they were able to shut it off in that scenario. They were able to say it's like people who enjoy watching MMA. You know, they like watching people get beat up, bloodied, getting their nose broken. I love watching MMA. I love watching people fight. And you're an empathetic person. Yeah. So what I'm just saying, people compartmentalize and shut those things off. But it's, uh, but this is different. This isn't, these, MMA is two guys wanting to fight each other. They're, they're wanting to fight each other. The opposite of that is when you have a guy beating the shit out of somebody who doesn't want to fight him in a parking lot after after at a club where people would gather around and watch that shit and I'd be just horrified by it and so would you yeah but I'd probably still watch it i mean that's the whole phenomenon like rubberneckers people who slow down to look at wrecks i mean there's a there's a fascination for the macabre in human beings that we exercise through horror films through horror stories through roller coasters through football games through mma and boxing matches right but some people enjoy it and i I, I don't enjoy like if I see that it, I'll, I'll cr- start crying if I see yeah, I a wreck mean, on, with the, you. I, on, the, on the highway. Whereas other people are like, "Oh my god, look at that! That's crazy." That's about my response. I don't cry, but I do think, "Oh my god, awful, crazy!" You know, 
That's what I think. So another, to your point, is that I just I I see uh, I see people like you know obviously our country right now is very divided, whether you're on the right or you're on the left, <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. a lot of that has has to do with this idea that people have uh, I that it's impossible for the majority of people to imagine someone else being them like imagining that this other person is uh what you know just like them yeah and uh that they're similar and which i i feel like is empathy but uh i just don't see it i don't see a lot of empathy and again i think it's because it's just the way people are i don't think it's a choice i think it's something that people either have or they don't have well so what's the solution if you can't even choose to be empathetic well there's no solution there's just there's just there's just knowing that that's that's the case or being aware of it it's like it's like it's you you go to therapy not to change who you are you can't change who you are you can only be aware of who you are and by being aware of who you are you can make maybe make different decisions based on that awareness but you're not going to change i can't like control my drinking just because i'm aware of what it does to me but I can be aware of what it does to me and then not drink. Right, which is controlling it. It's not controlling it. I'm just not drinking. Well, but I can't. I, that sounds semantic. I know, but I'm not talking about control. I'm talking about change. I yeah. can't change right. who I am. Right. I can know who I am, but I can't change who I am. But, but then it just begs the question, if, if you're not an empathetic person, but you know enough about not being one to make decisions that make you appear as if you are, then aren't you just sympathetic? That's like saying, oh, if you're nice to everybody, but you're not a nice person, then aren't you a nice person? Yeah. You're nice if you're if you're nice to everybody, then yeah, you're a nice person, whether you actually are or not. It's your actions that matter more than your thoughts. But I don't again, I don't think I I, I guess I, you could say, no, that's a good point, because you could say, well, so and so is real nice, but they hate being nice and it's, and it's not real. They just put it on every time they're around you. That's actually shitty. No, but I don't even think that would I, work. I, dude, I know people that the most important thing in their life is being nice and being liked. And I love those people now. <laughs> cause it they're, works. They're well, cause they're nice to everybody. Now right. they might be tortured. They might not be happy, but that's their deal. That's not my yeah. deal. They're just going to be nice, and I like I like people that are nice. I think the issues with empathy. I think what I, I think we agree a lot. I think what's happened is people have compartmentalized what they're willing to be empathetic about, and I think people exploit that in human beings. I think that you have to have empathy. I think I think empathy is a huge part of the human experience, and I think the, all the people who are politically divided, for example, or the people who went to the coliseums and watched a Christian get eaten by a lion. I think there are other areas of their life where they were extremely empathetic in their communities because that's that's just a huge building block of society. But I do think that when it came to, you know, killing millions of Jewish people or Colosseums or war, when it comes to, you know, you're going to go kill someone who's exactly like you, but they just happen to live on this other side of a mountain and they have families and kids just like you, the, what you have to do to a human being in terms of, training or deprogramming or exploiting tribalism to get them to shut that empathy off is in my opinion a 
tragedy, a crime. And I think people do that to us. I think what's happening in the States with, we can't even agree. We can't look at each other across the aisle of this political shit and be like, you want your kids to be safe and fed. And that's what I want. Let's have a conversation. The fact that people exploit that in us, the fact that people turned whether or not you wear a mask during a pandemic into some sort of statement about who you vote for is just a fucking tragedy. But even just mentioning wearing a mask is going to start infuriating people right now. Yeah. Which is crazy. Well, people are getting confronted. I mean, people have been killed over it. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of that, but like, you know, there's a a Dollar Tree employee who enforced it and the people came back with their kids and killed them. You know, because there's this weird charge around the mask now. Dude, that's the fact. Okay, first of all, that happened. Yeah. That happened. I know. So I know. But here's the thing. That happened and now all everybody knows about it. And now anybody who says, Hey man, why are you wearing that mask? Or not isn't wearing a mask now, they're a murderer. If you read that article. If you read that article, you're like, oh, this is a person that's on the side of the murderers. Well, that's the thing. Is now the masks mean a bunch of the masks are symbols of these things that I didn't sign up for as a person, you know, as a as a father and a husband and a guy that just wants to be safe and not get sick or get someone I love sick. Now I am representing an entire political ideology that I did not sign up for by wearing them. For now, for me to wear a mask says, I'm a Biden-supporting liberal who hates Trump tards. And I don't feel that way. I don't like Joe Biden. I don't think that all Trump people are stupid. Dude. I, I don't want my mask to be some symbol of some shit. I just want to be able to protect myself and my family. Right. But just because somebody's not wearing a mask doesn't mean that they want to harm you or harm your family or murder you. Well, now, well, I agree. It's more nuanced for them, too. For them not wearing a mask doesn't mean that they automatically love trump or they automatically don't believe in science you know all those things it's the fact that the mass conversation became just another tool in the war it it only benefits people in power and people who stand to gain from us not being able to talk to each other and that's upsetting to me now don't get me wrong dude i had my car wash the other day and everybody's wearing masks. And then the guy who's inside my car, like washing the inside of the car, like the inside of the windows and stuff, only guy on the whole lot not wearing a mask. He's just breathing all over my car. And I'm like, hey, bitch, don't breathe all over my car without a mask. I'm paying you to do a job. Did I hate that guy? <laughs> kind of. Did I say anything? No, because I don't want to be a narc. Well, some good friends of mine just had to quarantine their whole family because they had a dude painting their house who didn't wear a mask, and then he tested positive for COVID. He was in their house all week painting. They've got three kids. Of course he tested positive for COVID. He doesn't wear a mask. Well, that's the thing, is you take all the politics out of it and just, uh, you know, it just becomes really reasonable to me from a common sense level. It's a reasonable thing. Have you seen The Undoing yet? Everyone's been freaking out the, about The Undoing. Here's what needs to be undone. That plastic surgery. That Nicole Kidman oh, had. I know it's pretty rough, right? Dude, we 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 the took undoing that also. should be undo the plastic surgery. Then maybe I'll watch the undoing. But until then, uh, uh-uh. uh, unless it's a horror movie, which it all all the movies with Nicole Kidman in it are now horror movies. Oh, it's a rom com. 
What? About a crazy, scary monster lady who falls in love with an old, scary weirdo? That's, no, I'm not watching it. Night, night. Dude, (laughs) get old. I'm getting old. I don't like it. Oh, yeah, but Bobby, here's the thing, though. People don't want to watch an old person in a movie. Oh, they don't? Well, then go fuck them if they don't want to watch an old person. That's the way it is. Here's what you don't do. Here's what you don't look like. You don't look young. You just look like a fucking monster. Hey, Nicole Kidman, you don't look young. You look like a fucking monster. (laughs) Is it about her reversing her plastic (laughs) surgery? Please say it is. No, it's. No, I haven't watched it. Dude, I'll tell you what to watch. Here's what to watch, dude. Clint, you will love this show. All right. Travel man. <laughs> Travel man? Travel man. It's about a this, man traveling? Dude, it's this guy, Richard Ayueda. Dude, this dude is cut from the exact same cloth that you're cut from. Okay. Just, Go on. Just watch it, dude. Travel man. It's on. Do you have Amazon Prime? Yeah. Watch it or go to YouTube and watch Best of, of Travel Man. That's that's how I that was my gateway drug into it. Now I just found out that he's got two shows. One's called Gadget Man. One's called Travel Man. <laughs> I've just been watching it nonstop, dude. It's a guy okay. who's uncomfortable in his own skin as fuck, dude. I'm this not dude. like that. Am I like that, Clint? I'm Are you uncomfortable in, in your own skin? I don't know. Dude. Uh, I, don't look at my, I don't look at myself in the mirror ever. I guess that would be under that column. I can't tell if you're frozen. Seems like you might be frozen. That was a long freeze. We've had a lot of long yeah, freezes. Or, I guess who's, I know whose internet it's not mine because I just got hardwired. Oh, uh, hardwired internet? Like ethernet cable? Ethernet cable, baby. Why'd you do that? Because I got these live streams. I can't, my Wi-Fi was yeah. getting so fucked up. I was like, I'm just going to get it. I had the guy come and I used to have the router or the modem in my bedroom and now it's in the studio. It's cool that you cracked the code in such a cool way on those. Those, you know, the little bit that I've checked out, they look and sound great. You really, you really, people have been getting that so wrong this year. I feel like. Dude, I would say most people. There's a few people You know what that, I mean? Right. All the, all the people that were already on YouTube, they've all got it sussed out. But anybody yeah, who yeah. wasn't, especially people in the music industry, dude, it's so bad. Like I'm doing this Christmas show on Saturday and I'm having some musical guests and they're just sending me videos that they've taken on their iP- on their, you know, iPhone and it's fine. But, but they're not like actually recording them. They're into, just, like, yeah. They're just, yeah. I mean, it doesn't take that much effort to make it look and sound good, but it does take some effort. It does. It, you can't just put your phone up and it look like that or sound like that for sure. Well, I had the same feelings about the undoing as I did about the queen's gambit, but you haven't seen the undoing, you know, you binge these things six to 10 hours and because the acting is usually pretty, I tell you what, Donald Sutherland is great in The Undoing. And actually, so is Nicole Kidman. She's a really great actor. But you binge him and you're like, I like this. And every episode ends with a big fucking hook. And, you know, they it's all built that way. It's all built to, you binge it six to ten hours, but it's all built, every episode ends with a cliffhanger. And they just know how to hit that dopamine button. They They write for it. They edit for it. It's all about that. 
way more important than whether or not the story is good. If the story is good, that's like a bonus. So anyway, they do that. And then when it burns down, you're so emotionally caught up that you're like, wow, that was really good. And then you start thinking about it. You're like, I don't think that was very good. All right. So I don't felt that way about the Queen's Gambit too. Yeah. The Queen's Gambit. I agree. Like I enjoyed it, but then I enjoyed at, it by the, What's that? I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But by the end, I was like, I don't care about any of these people. I don't care about this. Yeah. At the end of it, I was like, eh, I'm not going to recommend it. Well, that's what Isabel said. I would still recommend it. But Isabel said, we gave it a six out of 10. And she's like, I don't recommend six out of 10s. Everybody I know that seems, that's seen the Queen's Gambit, though, loves it. And I, yeah, I liked it. Same. I'm, I'm glad I watched. So are you going to watch The Undoing? No. Is it? Is it? You won't even watch it because of Nicole Kidman's plastic surgery face. Yeah, I mean, I can't watch anything with Jeffrey Tambor because of his lips. There's like, <laughs> if somebody's got some weird thing, his I, lips I can't, are weird. I just can't watch. I'm not going to watch somebody for a long period. Of, it's too much for me. I can't. Jeffrey take Tambor it. does have really. I've never even really thought about that, but he really does have very distracting lips. That's really funny. Yeah, it's just weird. Okay, okay. Here's a movie I wanted to talk to you about. I haven't seen it yet though is the new Fincher movie, Mank. Yeah, that doesn't look good either. It looks horrible, but I mean, everyone's really So that's David out. Fincher did that? I think it's, oh no, I'm sorry. It's PTA. It's Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> well, it's all about like the, it's all like about like 30s Hollywood and the making of Citizen Kane, which I didn't really like Citizen Kane. So I'm having a hard time drumming up excitement to watch this. But you know what? Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. They love it. It will probably win the Oscar just because it's about Hollywood and it's a serious movie by a serious director. I mean, let me see what the fucking Rotten Tomatoes is on. It. Here we go. We're on that Rotten Tomatoes ride with B schnizzies. Well, I mean, it tells me a lot about the movie. Here's what it, here's what it's got. Critics give it an 84. Audience 69. So that tells oh. me it's okay. It's probably fine. It's on Netflix, so I'll probably watch it if it's on Netflix for free. I don't really have an affinity for 30s Hollywood other than maybe Charlie Chaplin films. Did you watch uh, the Coen Brothers movie with- I did. What uh, was that movie? Uh, Hail, Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. Uh, it was okay. You know, their last efforts for me have been like, you burn it down and it's got all the things about them that you like, but then the movie ends and I honestly feel myself asking myself, what was that even about? Like, I, I didn't even really know what it was about. It was too inside. So Definitely check this out. Hollywood the, movie. The critics gave that an 85. Again, Hollywood loves Hollywood. Yeah. Audience score 44. Ooh, bad. That's bad. Yeah. Look up. I'm curious what La La Land is. I bet La La Land is like 100% both. I, I, here's, all right. I don't know what it is. That was a movie this about is, Hollywood. This is great. what I'm going to say it is. I'm going to say 92 critics. 94 audience. All right, good guess. No, I'm going to go okay. 89 audience, 92 critics. Okay. Here's what it is. 92.81. Sorry, 91.81. <laughs> so I was off the audience a little bit, but pretty close. I loved La La Land, but my wife hated it. I loved it, and I hate musicals, so... Uh, listen, we got to get out of here. We got to skedaddle. We've once again burnt down the burnt down the IOK Christmas tree. We've had a good time. We talked about some serious stuff. We talked about some movie stuff. We talked about some fun stuff. That's what we do here. 
We're going to talk about some more movie shit in the Secret Weekly, by the way. I'm talking about a little thing called a goulash. Oh, do tell. What does a stew have? A stew has lots of ingredients. Dude, I'm trying There's to- a lot of things. I'm trying out a new character, so let me let me try out this character. It's, it has a lot to do with this pipe. Pray, sir, do tell. It's similar to the colonel. I do say, sir, do tell. Well, we need to skedaddle. It's good talking to everybody. We'll see you on the- You know what flop. we need? May I proffer something before we leave here today, sir, if I may be so bold? Adieu. <laughs>